Hey everyone, and uh, welcome to another Forensic Happy Hour. It's the show where you know we get to hang out, talk about some uh, some forensic stuff, and or really whatever comes up because it's gone sideways a couple uh, of times. But the best part about it, obviously, we get to uh, get a drink beer and uh, or the drink of your choice, typically. So. Uh, really excited. Uh, we have Josh Brunting, and uh, I, I think it's going to be a different perspective, um, obviously, coming from, uh, you know, with his background and uh, with the university type of stuff. So we're going to, uh, I think, have a really good time. So fantastic. So the first thing I want to do is say, hey, cheers, Josh. Very good right. to see you. Thank, Thank you, you very much. All right. And again, best thing about it is uh, we get to sit here and... Uh, and drink so excellent so the first thing uh, i want to say is hey thank you uh it's great having you uh having you on the show but you know before before we kind of get into you know question and answers and me making things up uh give give everyone you know give everyone a feel of really uh, who's josh wow all right so i'm obviously josh Burney. i'm an associate professor of digital forensics uh dfi or uh, here at marshall university in west virginia I grew up in southern West Virginia, and I did my undergrad here at Marshall, and uh, came in in the early 2000s, back when digital forensics was really just kind of a law enforcement niche thing at that time. I uh, had no intentions on studying digital forensics whatsoever, and uh, there was a class that was being offered out of the forensic science program. Uh, there was one class in the entire university. Uh, and it was more along the lines of like digital evidence and digital imaging and more physics based, you know, image enhancement. Took that, kind of fell in love with the field. I, my father and, and family was all law enforcement. So I had this trajectory to go into law enforcement. Uh, but my first year of college, I was like, no, this is, I really want to do this. Uh, and kind of started guiding myself into it. Uh, and ran across some folks uh, close to graduation uh, that had this plan on building a laboratory uh, with the West Virginia State Police and uh, teamed up with them. And when I graduated a few months, um, I think it was like 2004, 2005, uh, was one of the first civilian examiners that was hired uh, in the West Virginia State Police lab. So uh, worked there. Uh, for seven years, worked a number of different roles, uh, was a QA manager, technical leader, uh, and decided to make the leap in 2012. The university um, was crazy enough to hire me as a professor, so I, I jumped ship from uh, LE and, and digital forensics as a, as a lab guy uh, in 2012 and started teaching it, and it's um, been a fun journey since then. We've started a full BS program uh, in digital forensics, just uh, spun up a master's degree program a couple of years ago. Uh, we teach network forensics, mobile device forensics, uh, foundational courses. Uh, we're pretty much a full-service program now that has over 100 students. So when we... On campus. I mean, yeah, and, and so if, if let's let's just go back because because obviously something's pretty interesting there is that um so as, as part of your law enforcement obviously with the digital forensics side of it and you know coming into that and then coming into academia do you think that um uh, you know your training or the things that you saw obviously I, I come from law enforcement as well but you know what what you did as as an examiner there you, you know helped build the program that that you have now 
Oh, yeah, no doubt. You know, all of our professors, even the adjuncts we hire, that's one thing we wanted to make sure of is they have prior experience in this and uh, not knocking any other programs at all out there. But you're seeing a lot of programs that spring up, you know, out of computer science or engineering where, you know, you had this career professor that taught this one thing, you know, being forced into teaching something else. And uh, it's such an advantage for me, you know, to have that experience, even though that experience itself is starting to get stale. It's just the perspective of it. You know, you right. understand how the industry interacts. You you know where to find water, basically. Right. You know, you know the people right. to go to. You know the tools that are that are out there. And uh, I think that's a perspective of the students that that's just invaluable. You know, that they know that you've been in the shoes that they want to be in before, uh, regardless if it's public or private. And, uh, and I think it creates a respect factor and, uh, and it creates better graduates overall, you know, in the, in the overall grand scheme of things, I think, you know, you want to do it that way and, and, and produce, you know, folks that are valuable to the field right out of the gate. Yeah, I think that's important, right? Um, I, I really in any field, not just digital forensics, uh, again, my personal opinion is that, you know, the, the people have walked the walk, right? The people that have walked the walk are, are typically the best people that are training, um, because they have experience to draw on, right? So, so that you're able to actually put something practical to either, you know, uh, yeah. Here's here's the exercise, guys. Do it. Okay, great. Well, what is this? I mean, why do I have to do that? I mean, you can kind of. Do you think that? I mean, you can fill in that why um, based upon your experience. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when when you bring students into a university, you have the the, the opportunity to put them in front of really really intelligent professors. And folks that, that know a lot more as, this pra as a former practicing professional um, to put them in courses on databases and cryptography and even foundational like calculus and math. Uh, it's really it's important to me that they have that foundational knowledge because that's the purpose of the university, you know, to teach them that foundation that they can build off of their whole career programming. Regardless, you want to give them that curriculum. The thing you want to do differently with them is to put them in almost like a, a, a hybrid of training and academic foundation while they're as a student at the university so they understand what the purpose of those foundational courses were for. And a lot of programs don't do that. You know, they just turn them loose with all this foundational knowledge and they have to pick it up in the job. Uh, I think that gives at least I bring that advantage to say, okay, this this concept that you learn about table joins and database forensics, now we're going to apply that from a mobile device perspective. Or in programming, we're going to use what you learned in Python, you know, that had nothing to do with digital forensics, but now we're going to spin it up and use it as, um, you know, something in a, in a foundational digital forensics course. Right. And, and I think that puts them at an advantage, no right. doubt. Yeah, you know, I 100% agree, uh, you know, especially on being able to, to give them that approach. So uh, when you start talking about the students, you know, I, I, I believe that you said it was either 125 or uh, two. What was the number that you had of the, the current that are enrolled on site? 
with with the on-campus the students, we have about yeah. 100, 100 in our undergrad program yeah. and about 30 to 40 uh, overall master students that are great. That are and, and, and so, you know, coming from the program, I mean, what type of success are you are you seeing from, you know, from your program? I mean, we can talk. You've been doing this for a while, um, you know, from the initial the initial phases uh, of the program to today of, say, the acceptance in, you know, them actually finding a job um, into it and, and uh, two phases or two questions is, you know, obviously being able to utilize that within the job world. And then two, you know, what type of jobs are, are you seeing most of them going to? Are they going to law enforcement? Are they going to corporate? You know, where are they going from from the school? There's there's three different places I'm seeing them going into. They're going into uh, private sector forensics and a lot of you know corporations. Um, some of them are going to federal, state, and local law enforcement. That we're seeing that path. We're also seeing a big path of them getting um, taken by intelligence communities as well oh, okay. uh, to do open source intelligence. Uh, so that's a, a big component of the program that has kind of spun up lately. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and there's a push in those agencies to do, you know, dark web intelligence and research and stuff like that. Something we really haven't touched on heavily in, in DFR yet, but right. obviously it's going to come. But so, and there's six. So so when when we're thinking about that, too, is obviously it's expensive. Right. So what is a university saying, you know, especially I, I, obviously the majority I, I understand is really bringing these bringing these students up into understanding whether it be Python or SQL or JSON or or really the underlying structures on doing that. But eventually, you know, it comes around to, you know, parsing this data. How are you parsing this information? What are you doing with this information? So what what's a university saying? Hey, go find some money or are they are, are they really seeing you know what there's value in this you know we're really starting to bring in some great students who are, are, are going into these different fields that you know are bringing this shining this light down on our university I, I guess I guess so from the administrative side of it uh, what are you hearing yeah, we're kind of fortunate because we're a state university we can keep our tuition levels low uh, so even for out-of-state students you know it's it's kind of a I would say you know to get what you get at university and and i try not to confuse academia with with training because what you want to do is you want to prepare them for training to where they're more comfortable in it when they're in the job so you know it's this is not going to be a replacement for training but it's a place for them to be familiar with the things they're going to receive in training uh, but when we're when we're talking about an overall funding structure uh, you know we look at grants we look at contracts and, and we're able to utilize students to do work um, oh, in grants right. and contracts while we have them, you know, to help develop programs and help develop plugins. That's a best, that's a best type of uh, employment, right? Yeah. And um, I mean, the tuition money will help cover, you know, the academic costs. But, you know, the 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 money that, that we can generate outside of that gives students an opportunity while they're here with job experience. So it's important to me to try to find them internships, to try to pair them up with with corporations and companies and vendors to say, OK, can they solve this problem? And if they you know, if they have a knack, you know, if they're a really strong programmer, this is a company with, that we may want to send them to. And and it's based upon the student as well. You know, the student may have an interest in, you know, doing that kind of work. And, and ultimately, it leads them with a, a good piece of knowledge they can put on their resume and then go out into the industry and, you know, be a rock star at some point. Right. So, so thinking about that, too, um, 
I mean, the students, and you're really you're putting this out. Um, and what what would you say is the course that's the most popular? Right? What's the most that the majority of the students either walk away so, oh my gosh, I have to do that, or you know, it, it's it's hard to keep people back. Um, you know, uh, not over enrolling that course. Are there any there that that people want to be in? I I just look by overall popularity and by the scores. Honestly, in our program, or at least the courses that I teach, I can't speak of other courses, uh, but mobile device forensics has been an extremely popular place. Uh, not everyone goes into it, but they they kind of come into it thinking, okay, I'm just going to analyze this phone. And they leave right. it thinking, okay, I have all of these devices, IoT that I can go after. Oh my gosh, you know, this right. is this is really important stuff. And they're taking that, even the ones that are choosing to take the InfoSec path are saying, okay, this phone can leverage this amount of evidence for me. And if this phone has been breached, I have the ability to go in and analyze the device now or go in and look at databases that are on that phone to see, you know, if anything had been modified. So right. uh, really that that seems to be the one that's kind of hard to it, it fills up quickly mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it, it kind of goes per year. But that seems to be the the course here because that's. It's kind of what we're known for, to be honest. Right. You know, we right. we have a lab here on campus, and we produce people that that have went out and worked in that industry. So, yeah. uh, we're really kind of focused on that. You know. Yeah. So, so talk about that. So, the lab, the lab that's utilized there, um, is is it a place where law enforcement can come or uh, to to do the work, or is it is it a lab more uh, like think of um, not necessarily an RCFL, but an RCFL where you might have you know, jurisdictions that are outside that might not have forensic guys that are able to come in and, and bring evidence to you guys uh, to do that? Yeah, so so the lab itself is actually ran by the West Virginia State Police. So it's, um, it, it's on site here at Marshall. And the purpose of that, you know, we have, uh, you know, we have uniformed and civilian staff working in that laboratory, mm-hmm. you know, every single day. Right. Uh, they're not Marshall employees, but they're working on campus. And the, the nice thing about that is that puts them in a position to be on a college campus. Uh, but more importantly, it gives them the ability to utilize students as much as they can. You know, obviously we're not going to send a student in there and have them handling evidence, right. but to be in an environment where they can research on a particular case. So if there's an encrypted application that they're up against that they, they can't get into, they can put the student on that and find a vendor tool potentially that might be able to take care of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if if not, then they can manually find a way, you know, into that device if they can. Right. Uh, so that that puts them in a position and the student in a position to to be in a real working lab while they're here. Uh, the only cost to the university is just putting that lab in a space, you know. It and it's so it's, so talk to that too. Um, is that obviously you have the space, you have the lab. I mean that's phenomenal. You know, especially not just the PR side of it, but obviously you're assisting with, you know, with the law enforcement side of it. Students can actually see what's going on um, uh, uh, with that. But like you said, you know, they, they might run into something that's just not necessarily supported. So do you have a reach? Excuse me, a research end um, or uh, you know that that you now have your students that just dive into it. You know, you now have 
they can segue into R&D type of things to really dive into, say, the latest, you know, a zero-day app that comes out that, that you know, on, say, a mobile device. Do you guys also get into that? Yeah, to a certain to a certain extent, students are required to complete uh, an independent research project as part of their program. Uh, so what we try to do is we try to gauge their interest and in where they're interested in, uh, align that to the research needs of the lab that's not only here, but maybe where they're interning at. Uh, for example, you know, we sent a student to a, uh, a state laboratory, and one of the research needs was uh, IoT and wearable devices. So the student focused a lot of their research on how to get into wearable devices and uh, produced, you know, a lot of good research out of that, uh, not only to kind of throw out to the community, but uh, to help that agency. Uh, so, so really the research is not so theoretical in nature, but it's very applied. Right. Uh, it's something that we want, or at least I want to see, uh, this end that our students are, are putting out research that is ready to go in the community. Right. You know, it's not something that's so conceptual that it takes four to five years to get out, you know, even to trickle to the community where they even consider it. Right. So, so let's talk about this too. Um, is that I know that you're nominated, right, uh, for with the sum or the uh, uh, forecast awards? Yeah. 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 So, so tell me about program, Tell me about that. Yeah. So the program. Well, they just gave out the awards a little bit ago. I just came over from there. Uh, but uh, Marshall was nominated as the program of the year, and uh, we also had one of our students that was nominated for three categories: uh, the newcomer of the year. Nicole Odom was her name. Uh, was nominated for the newcomer of the year, uh, the groundbreaking research of the year, and the article of the year. And uh, she actually won the newcomer of the year. So oh, uh, it's awesome. it's a testament. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's just a testament out of you know, and that and that's just one student out of many. But it's a testament that not only are they putting out good articles and research, but they're also getting recognized by the community as a newcomer. So right. uh, it's it's very fulfilling to see that it, yeah. it kind of validates that you're that you're building things the right way and that you're that you're doing things right, I guess. Without a doubt. So so now let's give props. Right. So I, I know that you've graduated a lot of students and you know, a lot of them have gone into different areas. So, you know, it's your time to, hey, you know what, give some props out to to those people and you know where they're working all this other stuff that have come from the program that have really um you know obviously out in the community doing r&d that what i mean throw out some names well first one that comes to mind is is the newest one uh, nicole odom the newcomer of the year uh has really done a phenomenal amount of work in smartwatch forensics uh there's there's a couple that that just pop up in mind um uh, Chris Vance being one of them, uh, he worked in our laboratory at one time. Uh, is over at Magnet, uh, you know, and, and, and came through Access Data. He he started out as a student intern, mm -hmm. so uh, obviously he was one of our older students. Uh, believe it or not, so he's not so young anymore. I don't know uh, exactly so young anymore. People start talking yeah. about that. Uh, Matt Brewer. <laughs> we don't get any younger. No, it makes me feel old. <laughs> uh, Matt Brewer over at Amazon uh, works for Amazon uh, AWS. Phenomenal talent, uh, and and Kathy Helenick. You, you know, you're looking at Kathy Helenick, who is um, working over with Cindy Murphy, 
and uh, is one of their directors over there now. And these are all folks, believe it or not, that are in their 20s. So, you know, to see them kind of getting put into director roles in their 20s, I didn't think I'd see it for 10 years. So uh, there's just so many talent. And that's just, that's just a few names that roll off that, exactly. that we just have direct contact with. Um, I mean, I could give you, a, you know, a three-page list right. of three-letter agencies and companies that, that people, right. you know, work for now uh, that are just, just doing phenomenal work. Yeah, uh, so- and, and in fact, um, oh, go ahead. don't want to forget Preston Miller. Oh. Uh, Preston Miller was the uh, Python forensics book. Uh, he was a Marshall graduate, so that was a few years back. So, Right. No, and that's what, again— it's, you know, obviously uh, kudos really to the program and, and, and really, really steering this. And, you know, to me, obviously, the digital forensic stuff is that's just, you know, what you, what I, you know, we, we've done. And, and, you know, from the, from, you know, from the snapping pictures and doing all of those as, as being kind of the forensic side of it to, you know, seeing the progression. And, you know, to me, it's nice. It's really, really nice to see um, a lot of universities that are you know, finally understanding that, you know, we probably better get people, you know, trained on this. And and again, one of the things I love about, you know, your program is, is simply because it's, it's kind of a practical approach rather than theoretical, right? So that you're not saying, Hey, we believe, have you ever been involved in the investigation? No, you know, on some, uh, in nothing specific, but you know, some, some other programs that might just, you know, this is the program, but this is the stuff on paper where you're able to apply that. And I, and you know, and this is just me talking again. And I think that that's why, you know, you see a lot of success from, from your program and uh, uh, Marshall simply because of that, right. Being able to offer real life type of stuff. And, you know, this is what, you know, you probably remember, uh, you know, back in the day, you're like going seriously, you know, calculus or, you know, what, why, you know, just teach me how to count cornhole, right? Just make sure that I can get, when I get, you know, three on the board, what does that mean in math? Um, <laughs> but, you know, being able to take, and now these are the forensic things. This is why you need to learn it, right? This is the database. This is why you need to learn it because not all apps or, or whatever supported. You need to be able to go in and dive into that. And I think that that's what you are bringing um, to that because you understand, right? You understand those people that come into mobile devices that are come from computer forensics that are like, I'm never going to do that my entire life because one, there's so many unknowns, right? Yeah. There's so many unknowns. Um, and it takes, I think, uh, you know, you know, people that are really kind of diving into it and want to live within those zeros and ones and that hex side of it that are going to be successful. What do you think? Yeah. Well, you want them to fall in love with it early. And, you know, that's something I, there was a professor of mine when I first started at the university, he was my, my grad school advisor. And he made the statement to me, he said, don't ever take the opportunity or miss the opportunity to have your students fall in love with what you fell in love with when you got into this field. And Great advice. when I put classes together, whether it be mobile device forensics or multimedia forensics, or just a foundational digital forensics course, what are the fun things that I enjoyed about it? You know, I can I can turn them loose reading a book and, you know, give them PowerPoints and exercises and turn them loose with that. They can do that outside of class. The fun things are, okay, let's walk into a mobile device course and root a phone today. You know, what what do we how do we temporarily root a phone? What tools would you use to do that? You know, those are the fun things to me. Now not every student's going to be sold on that. Right but at least they're going to find that fun, you know, and 
when I when I notice that I started doing that, rather than worried about you know what content that I taught, it you saw the students keep coming back. You know, it's like they enjoyed coming to class. It was different than anything else they received. It was almost like going to a training course. You know, when you're right. you're in the industry and you're going to a training course and you're learning something new for the first time, you know, it's just it's so awesome. You know, you can't you can't stay away from it. You know, you go back to your hotel room when I go back the next day. Right. Uh, so I want the students to experience that because, you know, that that kind of sells them to the field early. And if there's an aspect of that that they really love, they'll stay in that lane and they'll continue to add value to this community. And you're starting to see that out of students now, yeah. uh, the, or at least the alumni that's coming out there, because we're about seven years out of truly starting this program to be legitimate. Uh, so you're starting to see them bubble up and, and really start to, to add value to the field. Yeah. So. I mean, I mean, you're seeing you're seeing the people that are coming out of the program that, you know, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. And I believe it, too, is that obviously you have your school time that you're you're learning and you're kind of, you know, kind of the training wheels and you're starting to get it. Um, but, you know, obviously it's, it's not a replacement for, say, training that you might have. But I would say that it's not necessarily a a replacement for training, but I would see it as, as really as a, I mean, they're two, three days into the training program on Monday, right? You know, before all the other students arrive, just because they have that foundation under them. And so, you know, you're now starting to see those people who were within the program are now training people, right? Either be, you know, writing blogs or research papers or, you know, just like with, you know, the newcomer that comes out. I mean, it's amazing stuff that, you know, to be 20 plus years old to now, you know, nominated for three different uh, awards, you know. So, I mean, that's that's amazing to me. Yeah, it's it's so fulfilling. It, it really is. Uh, and it helps me out because, you know, that gives more people to go back to the community and say, OK, I need you to speak to this class, <laughs> you know, or, or be a guest speaker or, or whatever the case may be, or to help with this research, you know, to say, OK, this is a problem that we need to tackle. I have this student here that's tackling this problem. Can you help them out? And, and I think that's something that's that's so different that. And I'm I'm just speaking for myself that that I can offer in academia back to the community. Uh, you know, I just I, I wanted to do it differently when I started teaching, not just be this academician that wrote papers and, and worried about, you know, publications and all of that. Uh, my goal was to be connected with the industry and connect my students with the industry. Because if I can do that, then we can directly solve the problems that are part of our industry. And, um, you know, it's it's like a card game. You know, I doubled down and, and it, it it's working. <laughs> so, so 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 you completely, you know, I've just said so looking at that, you mentioned the problems of the industry, you know, the problems of the industry beyond on, on the forensic side of it. I mean, what what are those problems, do you think? I mean, again, you know. I, I don't think there's any question that that there's not enough research coming out of our industry. And and that's not a knock on anyone in the industry. You're in a job. You know, I've been there. You're working. You have a caseload. You may even have a backlog. Actually, everyone has a backlog, to be honest. Uh, but, you know, you're trying to keep up on cases to jump over and not only train yourself, but to research. You just don't have time for it. 
so, you know, the the critical research coming out of the industry is is not going to happen. And, you know, we're sitting over here in academia, we're, you know, begging for research. And, you know, the industry needs that research. They want to put out that research as well. So the best thing to do is to try to find the places to put the student and say, hey, you know, here's here's a problem that you all have. Here's a student that might be able to help you solve that. And you can mentor them and kind of push them through. Uh, I really think that's that's an area in our industry, you know, and and legitimizing our field and, and moving it forward. Because I see some stuff that, you know, a little bit of research is put out and then it goes on the back burner. And, you know, everyone's sitting, when are we going to get a fix for that? Right. You're not going to get a fix unless someone's actively looking into that problem. And everyone's kind of focused on, you know, the the problem at hand, and, and uh, sometimes things get lo- lost in the wayside. But you know, it's great. second, yeah, it, yeah, it's great because the majority, of, even the last couple of just a t- of, of chats that I've had you know, on the happy hour, it all comes down to really resources to me. Um, you know that I that I glean from a lot of this is really resources and being available or having that resource. Where can I go? Where's a repository? Who has some information? And typically it has to be of no cost, right? So where can I go to grab some information? Where, cause those are where people go, you know, Google search free training or something, right? So, you know, that's, I, I think that that's something that I, I'm starting to see a lot more of that. Um, you know, especially the conversations is that I, I do see that, you know, the, the industry itself is, is, is starting to, you know, loosen the, Hey, um, I'm not going to do this because of X, Y, Z more of, you know what? Hey, we're all in this kind of thing we got to deal with. And everyone needs to have this understanding because the problem is if we don't, there's people that are testifying or, you know, to, to something just based upon no training. Right. So, so, so I think that I'm starting to see a little, you know, a little more of an uptick. Uh, I don't want to say necessarily on the research because you hit the nail on the head, you know, with time. But as, as for training resources, I'm starting to see people compile a lot more of those, um, you know, just so that it's out there and it's available um, of the two people, at least. I mean, there's a lot of resources that, that you know, that I've seen um, that people have put out. Um, so. Um, how about you? I mean, is there are there some resources that you know of uh, that you can share with people that they might be able to go to to you know at least get some information? Either it be research papers, where you know some 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 sort of online training. There's there's two good repositories that that I send people to all the time. I send my students to it, and I'd send any professional in the field. Uh, really, the first place I can think of is the the DFIR Discord server. That is a repository that you can directly connect with people. And, you know, I remember when I got into the field, uh, I was overwhelmed at things I didn't know and I didn't have access to get the answer, Uh, whether it be, you know, trying to get a driver to work or, you know, just something wasn't working in the tool. You know, the, the, I remember message boards, you know, you'd go out and try to find, you know, like an in case message board or something, you know, and try to get the answer and you couldn't find it. And, you know, even asking and fishing for the answer in an email listserv, you couldn't find. Uh, But the thing about Discord is you can put a question out there and you can have it answered within a couple of minutes. 
because you have so many people that are actively seeing that. And I don't think we've ever seen that kind of interaction so quickly in the community, right. whether it be from someone in an academia or someone in, in, in the industry or a vendor. You know, you, you're kind of taking all the good things that you saw in the old email list serves and you're kind of putting it into an right. instantaneous place. And our students, you know, first day of class, I require them to join that DFR Discord server mm -hmm. because even though they're just kind of hanging on for dear life and they're just kind of hanging on the life raft and reading the messages, right. Right. they're getting a feel of what right. the problems are. Yeah. And, you know, I think ultimately over time, you know, it, it gets them to better understand if they're reading those messages yeah. uh, of what the field is is dealing with at that time. Second one's forensic focus. You know, I'm a big forensic focus fan. Uh, just going out and finding resources. Brett Shavers has put his uh, DFR training as phenomenal mm -hmm. resource. It's just yep. a kind of a amalgamation repository of everything that's great about our field. Uh, so that's a good entry point. Uh, everything out there is one of those things, you know, if you're looking for a certain area like mobile forensics or network forensics, you can go through DFR.training and then find your lane uh, to kind of appropriately park in. So right. I, I always send people to those resources uh, because generally it'll find them, get it, it'll get them to the right place they need to go ultimately. Love Hope it. Yeah. That's what it's all about, man. I, I started my uh, career kind of on the training side of it, and it's always still and it will always be um, obviously near dear to my heart because I will always get on that soapbox that training is should be your foundation and trying to understand that from it. So the last question I have, I always ask a question. So I know you say that you've been out of the game for a while, but tell me, what is the artifact? I mean, it could be computers, it could be whatever, a forensic artifact that you think that people have to look at oh gosh um see i like to stump people all the time i you know what i would say just the typical artifact um let's i'm going to break it out i'm going to break it out into Perfect. two i'm going to do a computer and i'm going to do a mobile phone got it uh mobile phone uh your sms databases got to go there first because that's where all the juicy text messages are you can't pass that up any case you're working. So always go to that SMS DB computers. Don't forget your prefetch prefetch can really pull a lot of stuff, uh, especially what they're running. So if you're working cases and you're missing that prefetch on a PC, you're not doing it right at all. Uh, so I think, I think prefetch files, uh, especially, um, you know, what you're seeing running, uh, is a big one. Uh, close second, uh, gosh, I don't know. I'd have to put some more thought in that. You caught me off guard on that. One. <laughs> no, Hey, that's what I do. I always have to ask for the <laughs> artifact, uh, you know, because everyone has like their favorite artifacts or something that's kind of a go-to that they're always going to look at first. Prefetch is really good on that SMS. Huge. You know, it's funny. Um, you know, we're really focused on a lot of, you know, the third party messengers, all those apps, which is, you know, you kind of should be. Um, but you should never dismiss, especially, I mean, if you look at, uh, corporate investigations, different kind of yeah. law enforcement, all they care about are SMS, you know, iMessage, MMS, that's it. It's pretty much, and there's a ton of stuff that still that people are utilizing, right? That's the kind of their go-to, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say what age that is, but you know, typically, <laughs> you know, 
if I find myself, I, there's I a lot of, yeah, SMS, MMS, iMessage type stuff. So that's where I'm at as well. Oh my gosh. Fantastic, Josh. This is, I mean, amazing. And, yeah, and this is great. My beer is like almost done. So I'm going to say thank you. I'm yeah. going to take a last drink here. I'm drinking a uh, West Virginia favorite here, Swill Dog. I don't know if you see that or not. Oh, my I can't God. get a pass Swill pretty Dog. Bunch. Oh, fantastic. It's, uh, it's a cider that they Ooh. brew here in West Virginia. There's all kinds of really cool flavors. So I'm, I'm representing my I, state. I love it. I love it. Cool. <laughs> hey, I'm going to have to have you on there again, man. I am so. I, I can say I'm proud of you, man. That's awesome. I love, I love, I love the kind of the university getting those people, um, you know, getting those kids. We should, I say that, right? I'm old. Um, you know, really involved into uh, digital forensics. I mean, it's amazing. And you, you know, the program has produced some amazing people. So hats off to you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. No, thanks awesome. for having me on. Uh, thanks for recognizing, giving the opportunity to just put, put this program and university in a platform uh, yeah. is important to me, you know, it's, because, it's, you know, any, any opportunity you get to do that is a testament to how great our students are. And, and it's, only, it's going uphill from here. So it's, it. uh, we're pushing out some really, really talented grads. So Love it. it's watch the trajectory here. It's, yeah. it's phenomenal. It, yeah. and we just, we just won a national championship in the cyber league uh, so there's just some talent that's kind of lingering around the student level. That's going to be some some really uh, problem solvers in our field in a couple of years. Nice. Our field is in good shape. Uh, I cannot the, we're wait. In really, really good shape. Cannot, cannot wait. So again, man, the pleasure is mine. I do appreciate it. Oh, thanks a lot, Lee. We appreciate awesome. it. Cool. I mean, amazing. That is. Uh, I, I, I mean, that's, that's a great interview, I guess. Uh, you know, thinking about it, thinking about the young kids that come through um, that are now shaping the uh, forensic community. You know, old guys, old guy conversation. And I'm, not, I'm just speaking for myself, of course. But, uh, I mean, there is. So make sure that you guys go check out the program, you know, especially if you want to get into the, uh, the forensic world. Uh, and, and, and try to, and you're looking for, uh, you know, your education, trying to get in. I mean, there's some great programs, but also remember, you know, if you're already in, uh, in the mix, make sure that you're going and looking at some of those training, uh, repositories to, uh, that you can keep up on, um, I guess if you want to say keep up with the Joneses, but again, fantastic. Thank you again to, uh, to Josh for being a part of this. And, uh, next week we do have, I mean, I'm going to put some tweets out, but uh, I believe Mr. Rob Lee uh, will be showing up soon um, to tell us about the uh, the summit. So I'll just throw that out. Uh, but we have some other great guests coming up as well. So again, thank you guys uh, for showing up, especially on Friday. Have a great week. It's safe to say this is not my first time with a girl like you. On the outside, you are so bittersweet, but inside, you're oh so cruel to me.